Well, welcome everyone. It's Pastor Cooper. I wanted to welcome you to uh, Cheney Faith Center's new podcast called The Midweek. And simply it's going to be um, a conversation with Pastor Mark and myself, some other guests. Um, and we're going to just dialogue more on what we spoke of during the Sunday message or things in our certain cultural moment that just deserves some space to just dialogue some more from a biblical perspective. And so um, this is going to happen throughout the midweek. We're going to hopefully release this about every Wednesday. And just to give us a chance to just have some more um, things to help us know Jesus and live for Him daily. If podcasts are your thing, uh, maybe this will help just in your discipleship as you own your faith. Um, So yeah, we are excited about this, and we're also looking for feedback. So if you're listening to this, um, let us know, or maybe there's some things that you want us to talk through, and um, yeah, just to bring some biblical perspective and thought to. So yeah, so with that, this is what this week's episode is going to be. All right. Well, again, welcome. So uh, this week, Pastor Mark and I are going to dialogue a little bit on um, more of his message from First Corinthians chapter eleven. Uh, as we started our third session of our of our study in First um, Corinthians, but also Pastor uh, Kate, Pastor Mark, myself, and my wife Whitney, uh, we all went to a pastors' conference this last um, Wednesday, Thursday, into Friday with our fourth grade district, and just maybe dialogue a little bit of what we um, gathered from that. And how that's going to even just, you know, equip us and empower us to lead um, into this weird time of of COVID and and all that stuff and things like that. But, um, yeah, so I guess, Pastor Mark, why don't you just even start us off with maybe like one or two things that um, you felt like like the Lord really spoke to you um, during that pastor's conference that we were at. That sounds good. Well, hello, everybody. Uh, this is kind of cool. It's like our first podcast, and <laughs> I think it's fun because I'm like technologically illiterate and ignorant of most things, and so I'm super glad that Pastor Cooper's here to just get us going in the right direction as a church, and And it's fun to, uh, one of the things that's fun, too, is just get an opportunity to talk a little bit more about God's Word and to dive in on, you know, how are we living for Jesus daily, and how's that going, and so I'm look, really looking forward to these podcasts, and Maybe it'll help my messages be a little shorter, and then I'll add information <laughs> on the podcast. Should, should we have I a know, timer on this podcast? Yeah, as well? a timer yeah. on the podcast. I know. Walk that, off music. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Academy music. I know that for sure. There's people that would like that in main services. So anyway, so yeah, we we got to go to a pastors' conference this week, and it was wonderful. Uh, pastors' conferences always seem to be great, just to mm-hmm. be able to connect with people and connect with one another and other pastors and people that you're doing life with, and. Um, and the theme of our pa- our conference was called Collaborate, which I thought was great, uh, especially during this COVID time mm-hmm. when we're just learning how to, you know, what's the best way to do ministry together and to, you know, be in our communities. And really the best way to do that is to collaborate with multi-generations, multi-ethnically, uh, all these different ways that we can collaborate with people to really bring the gospel to our community. And I think that's great. And I think there were some highlights for me that were, were big. Um, the first night there was a, there was a big question that our assistant, um, district supervisor asked. And the question he asked was, have you lost the language of the culture? Mm. And I, that question is still kind of ringing in my mind. Mm -hmm. Like have, have, has the church lost the language of the culture? And it's kind of a loaded question in a way, because like we don't want to be, like the culture, but we don't want to be so separate from the culture that like there's no way for them to even understand who we are. And we're so ignorant of how real life works and that we don't even know how to communicate or comprehend what real people are going through. And um, 
So I think that's a challenge, and I think that's a big challenge for the church moving forward because the world is changing so quickly and so often. And sometimes in the church, we have a tendency to do the same thing year after year after year mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and just say, you know what, this is, Jesus is in this, the Holy Spirit's in this, and this is going to work, and, and so we're just going to keep cranking out the same thing that we've done since the 50s. And, and we're learning those, that doesn't work, you know. Mm-hmm. And so um, it's, it's important for us to, to marry our mission and uh, just hold loosely to our methods, mm-hmm. and so um, we're gonna we're gonna always do that. We're always gonna marry the mission of um, Jesus Christ and the Great Commission, and helping the gospel go to the ends of the earth. But we're gonna do that in different ways because our world is changing, and there's so many ways that we can help people understand the gospel. Yeah. Another thing that just really impacted me a lot was the night that our the president of Foursquare talked. Yeah, and it was so good and so funny at the same time. I, yeah. I wasn't sure whether he was the president <laughs> of Foursquare or a Christian comedian. because right. uh, He's leading like one of the largest denominations <laughs> in the world. And yeah, and he was just a super normal. Just busting a gut. Yeah, it was yeah. so funny yeah. at times, yet so powerful mm-hmm. at times as well, just the simplicity. And one of the things that he talked about was that um, more than anything... Jesus was a man of prayer Mm -hmm. and that throughout scripture over and over and over again, we notice moments where Jesus is praying and teaching the disciples to pray and that the disciples understood that Jesus public life was led by his private prayer life. And that's why in Matthew six, they ask, teach us how to pray. Mm -hmm. And um, I just thought that was so powerful that he talked about that, you know, prayer was the source of Jesus life. And, and he talked a little bit more intently about that, that really what that meant was just being in his father's presence, yeah. that that's what he loved and that's what we need to love. And that, um, that the prayer level in our churches needs to rise. Mm-hmm. And in each of us as believers, our prayer level needs to rise. And by that, we really mean that just our time in God's presence needs to rise. Mm-hmm. Time in his word, time in prayer, just talking to God and sharing our lives with him and, um, and one of the things he talked about was uh, just a new wineskin for the church is a powerful prayer life. And I think that's good. You know, the Holy Spirit always wants to do something new. And and we want to be people that are allowing the Holy Spirit to do new things, too. And that means that prayer needs to just be a powerful thing in each of us. And so there were tons of other great things, yeah. lots of other yeah. things, had some great even personal moments just for me yeah. and the Lord. And um, It just felt really emotional. It did. Like, it did feel I mean, that there way. was close to probably 200 ministry leaders there, maybe a little bit yeah. less. Um, we were in Idaho, by the way. We so, were in Idaho, so it was yes. good. <laughs> and we were all social distance, wearing face masks. Yep, social distance, um, wearing face masks. But uh, it just seemed like pastors and leaders would be able to like kind of name their feelings yes. and like actually experience those feelings of like, yeah. this has been hard yep. to lead through the most like, I don't know, I guess just... Uh, I don't know what the word would be. I guess polar opposite time of like people groups, you know? Yes, absolutely. Like face mask or not face mask mm-hmm. or this or that. And mm-hmm. pastors are just trying to lead their church. Yeah. With a lot of disunity. Yeah. And leading through the division. Mm-hmm. Like it seems like no matter what you stay, what you say, somebody's mad at you. Yeah. yeah. And, um, you know, it wasn't like that really before COVID, you mm-hmm. know? I mean, there was always times where we have, you have good moments and good mm-hmm. talks about maybe a different mm-hmm. idea or a different thought or what you're thinking about scripture. But mm-hmm. it does seem like right now, 
the enemy is just really pulling our country apart. Mm-hmm. And it's really polarizing and being dividing over so many things, you know, just the COVID restrictions and how we each deal with them and comprehend them um, mm-hmm. theologically and mentally and practically. And then just add to that the political environment in our mm-hmm. culture right now and where Black Lives Matter is and and all the things that are happening and and all things that are that might be pretty good for our country to kind of rethink and mm-hmm. re-examine and find out, you know, hey, do we have some things that aren't so great and we need to fix some things? But it doesn't seem to be heading that direction because right. there's just so much division and people yeah. really aren't at the table together. They're more divided. And mm-hmm. so um, that's a challenge. And I think yeah. it, it's it's also something that the church probably needs to do a better job of getting in the middle of and leading instead mm-hmm. of looking like a group of people that are divided themselves, mm-hmm. but they look like the one group in the country that's unified. And maybe we could look to them mm-hmm. and say, you know, hey, how can we be unified like they are? Because they seem to be unified and they're different, different culturally. They're different. Uh, you know, they have different ideas about all kinds of things, yet they seem to be in unity and they seem to know how to love one another. Maybe we can learn something from them. So so it seems like a study in First Corinthians might be a good yeah, thing. That's <laughs> right. It seems like exactly the right place to be yeah. right now and that that's what God was saying in the first century. And isn't it so interesting that, um, you know, here's Paul talking to these new Christians and these individuals that are just learning how to live for Jesus. And we're doing the same thing today. Mm-hmm. Like we're all learning how to live for Jesus in our mm-hmm. culture, in our context, in a modern world that is totally changing. Mm-hmm. And the same thing was happening in the first century. Yeah. The church was totally changing culture. It was kind of the reverse. The church was changing culture. And 200 years later, Constantine <laughs> says, forget it. We can't even keep up. Let's just make this our culture. Mm-hmm. Right. And now it's kind of the opposite. The church is trying to figure out how to keep up with a culture now that is so unchurched and so post-Christian and mm-hmm. post. And so I think it's interesting that the, the tides have kind of flipped, but um, we're still kind of in a similar situation where we're trying to figure out how to do life and how to take the gospel to the ends of the earth before Jesus comes back. And um, yeah. so it's kind of great. And First Corinthians is great for that because the mm-hmm. Apostle Paul is giving direction chapter after chapter after chapter about, you know, how to live for the Christ and how to just honor him daily with our lives. So yeah. uh, it, it's a great, great, great study. Yeah, that's good. Well, that just leads in well then. Um, so I wanted just to have some moments to talk a little bit more on um, your sermon from this past Sunday. So you were in chapter 11. Again, that's the start of our third session. So we're just restarting our last journal, um, which is chapters 11 through 15. Um, and so, yeah, you started off, and this is kind of like the the chapter about like communion. A lot of times that yeah. pastors use to talk on communion and to find direction in it and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I wanted to just even kind of just focus a little bit on one of the verses you shared that you talked on, and that was in verse seventeen. So I'm going to pull it up really quick um, again and just read it in the NIV. This is First Corinthians chapter eleven, verse seventeen. This is after Paul has already given some direction, but he, he says this. In the following directions, I have no praise for you, for your meetings do more harm than good. Mm-hmm. Ouch. And you, you <laughs> talked about how Paul's putting his big dad hat on. Yeah. And like he's kind of like the dad saying, like, all right, like here's where like you're not doing great as a church. Like you've right. done some good stuff, that's awesome. But mm-hmm. overall, he's kind of like, All right, now it's time to really Yeah. The rubber meets the road. Yeah. And stuff. So um just talk a little bit more on that and then I don't know, like maybe even just as you're just talking, like how does that even kind of relate into our current 
you know, status? Like, right. does that fall into what's happening in the, the church of today? You know, like, right. would Paul be like, hey, y'all, <laughs> yeah. like put his dad hat on and like, what would he kind of say, you know, to even us in this yeah. time? Well, I think it it is a, a great verse. And I, I really do feel like, you know, he's putting his dad hat on or his boss hat on and he's saying, OK, we, we need to get down to business now. And, we, mm-hmm. and we're going to have to talk about some some tough stuff. And I, I think of it kind of like, you know, the family meeting you have in the mm-hmm. front room with your kids and you're like, OK, kids, come on in the front room. We got to talk about some things. Right. And this is going to be a tough conversation. But here's what we know. Uh, when we're done with this conversation, we'll be better for it. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's what Paul is doing. Um, and we talked about that really this verse starts with him addressing how they were disrespectfully handling the Lord's Supper and communion, but it really encompasses all of the thoughts that are really going to be talked about in the next several chapters. Mm-hmm. Chapter 12, about how they were kind of misappropriately handling the gifts of the Spirit, what it really means to love one another in mm-hmm. chapter 13, the yeah. greatest chapter we have about love in the New Testament, and how they really weren't loving each other very well, but Paul defines it and helps them figure that out. And then in chapter 14, just that in their meetings, there was lots of things going on that he just gives direction for mm-hmm. in regards to the gifts, and we'll talk about each of those things. But but I think it does bring up an interesting question, like are there things we do today mm-hmm. in our meetings or in our practice daily that just do more harm to the gospel than good for the gospel. Mm-hmm. And and I think Do you think social media plays into that at all? Uh, uh, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely. And I think I think during COVID we've seen a lot of that. Yeah. And I and I've seen I think most of the division taking place on social media. Mm-hmm. Even within the church, I know it's ha- happening outside the church as well, but even, you know, believers saying this is what I believe politically and then them getting like totally verbally blasted out of the water on social media and how could you ever believe that and you know and so what it looks like on their social media chat is two christians angry at each other Mm -hmm. screaming at each other um and and in complete disunity and and if an unbeliever reads that thread they're going huh that's what people who love jesus are like Mm-hmm. I'm not. I'm not sure I want to be one of them, and so I think that social media really can be a challenge because when 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 the Bible talks about unity, there's something I think really important about unity uh, from a biblical perspective, and that is that unity is not sameness; it's oneness. Mm-hmm. And so it doesn't mean we're all the same. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean we all think the same. I mean, Paul's talking about, and you've heard these verses a lot, you know, in, in Christ, there's neither Greek nor Jew, male nor female, slave nor free. He's, the, the church is bringing unity to all of these different things that in the first century were never together, right? Male and female weren't together. They didn't do meetings together. They didn't meet together. They didn't do stuff together. And, and now they are in the church. Greeks and Jews, they didn't meet together. Mm-hmm. They didn't hang out together. They weren't friends. They weren't, you know, they were enemies. And Paul's saying, nope, we're in Christ, we're together. Mm-hmm. Socioeconomic people. We, you didn't have wealthy people with their slaves in the same room, you know, hugging one another, acting like friends. That's that's diabolical, right? That would never happen. But in the church, it was happening. Mm-hmm. That's the kind of unity that we're talking about. Now, now, is it possible that because there were such extremes coming together that they had some differences? <laughs> probably. Mm-hmm. Their, their differences were probably enormous, yeah. probably even greater than ours are today. Mm-hmm. 
yet they were able to just say, you know what, the one thing we have in common is Jesus, and that one thing is so powerful and so strong that I can put aside all of my other thoughts and ideas about life because Jesus is that important. Mm-hmm. And and I, I think one of the challenges that, that we're having moving forward as a church is this idea that Paul is really addressing in 1 Corinthians, and that is over and over again, by the way, chapter after chapter, is are you going to live for Jesus or are you going to allow your selfishness to run your life? Mm. And I think that in the United States, um, that's something we really have to think about in our Christianity because we have so much freedom. We really have the freedom to really almost do anything we want Mm -hmm. outside of committing crimes and hurting one another, right? Mm -hmm. Um, But we really can do whatever we want. So I can be completely narcissistic, completely selfish, and our culture says, yeah, that's awesome. Go for that. Yet the gospel says, that's not totally true. (laughs) There are parts of your life where if you're just like totally out of bounds and totally selfish, that that's not Christian maturity. We talked about this a couple chapters ago, that real Christian maturity is actually the ability to not be selfish, just Mm -hmm. like Christ was for us on the cross, that selfless living is the life that we're called Mm -hmm. to, and that the more mature you get in Christ, the more you learn how to give up for him and how to honor your brother and sister who maybe isn't at the same place you are, or an unbeliever that isn't at the same place you are, and that your life and your maturity in Christ consists of thinking about them first and yourself later Mm -hmm. Um, and the gospel first too. Yeah. That's good. And so I think um, thinking about what do we do in our meetings that hurt that, you know, is there anything we do when we gather together that's selfish Mm -hmm. or self-centered Maybe we should think about that and look mm-hmm. into those things and discover maybe that needs to not become a practice of ours anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then individually in our lives throughout the week, the same. Mm-hmm. That's good. That's good. I want to kind of jump now into talking specifically about communion. And, and even you know, when I was listening and watching your message um, uh, on Sunday and just how you focused on a few of those verses about like how Jesus on the night he was betrayed and like you just opened up. I felt like like a new perspective. I was like, I never thought of it that way. That like, yeah. he he's he's talking through like, I know I'm going to be betrayed, but I'm yep. still choosing to give my life for you and mm-hmm. give my body for you and all those things. And mm-hmm. we 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 talk about that, but to like just let that sink in for a while. And you did that on Sunday, and I thought that was really good for people just to take that truth in that Jesus he was looking at his <laughs> disciples, looking at everybody, you know, mm-hmm. and looking at the person who betrayed him, all those things, and and it was just I think such a good thing. Um, so I really suggest take time, people, watch that message, listen to it. Um, it's super, super good. Um, there's also a good time of communion. But I want to talk on some other parts of communion that, you know, we don't have as much time on Sundays to talk about. Maybe questions come up. And right. we've been asked these questions um, just throughout, you know, our pastoral time. Mm-hmm. And that's like communion with kids. Um, mm-hmm. So uh, I have I have small kids. I have a three-year-old, one-year-old. Um, but there's other families that have kids. And we've been asked a lot, like, hey, is it okay if, my kids do communion with me or should I wait till a certain time or what, what does that mean, you know, for them? Because it's, you know, obviously a very sacred, important um, act that we do right. within the church body and it has great importance to it. And so I think, I think maybe there's parents listening to this that might have that question or maybe they didn't and now they do. Yeah, <laughs> and right. So um, what's kind of your thoughts, Mark, yeah. on for like a family that has some small kids and, you know, they're starting to ask those questions and right. such. That's good. Well, I think that is a 
it's I think it's a big question that even encompasses even more than communion when you think about it. It it, it encompasses bap- water baptism and mm-hmm. tithing and you know all those kind mm-hmm. of things. Yeah. And I so I think they're all good. Um, I think one of the things with our kids that's really important is um, to let them really be around us as uh, adults and really watch what adults are doing in that context and so that they can see it and get used to it and get comfortable with it and those things are good. Um, but I also think, think that kids um, need to understand what they're doing and why they're doing things. Um, for instance, if, if we just take communion with no understanding of its importance or its reverence or its holiness, then it's possible that we could create like a, a traditional habit that now doesn't mean anything. Mm, right. So um, I think about these things that we talk about with kids, and I think it's going to be different for every kid, for sure, based on where they're at mentally and maybe um, just maturity level and things like that. But I think one of the things that's really key there is to, um, as you're talking about things with your kids and you're talking about communion, can they digest with you and talk back to you and even give you the reason why they would want to take communion and what it represents. And if they can formulate that, like, Mm -hmm. and they can almost like formulate the reasons and some of the really maybe really simple theological viewpoints of communion and why we do that. And they can formulate that and they can understand this is why I'm doing that, why I'm doing, why I'm taking communion that, they're probably ready, you know? Uh, but if we're just saying, Hey, pass the cup quick, pass the juice. Yeah. Let's just do this. Well then, then that's not good. We're not remembering Jesus in the way that we should. And we're not proclaiming the Lord's death until he comes like verse 26 says. Mm -hmm. So I think with our kids in, in all of those really important, like kind of traditional practices that we have that we, that they understand why they're doing them Mm -hmm. and that they're not just doing them because we're all doing them mm-hmm. or whatever, but they really understand. Okay, they can formulate. If if you ask them as a parent, what does the bread mean to you? Mm-hmm. And they could say, well, the bread, you know, is the body of Christ and it represents his body on the cross. And if they can kind of formulate that in their own simple way and they can formulate what the cup means and that the cup means Jesus' blood that was given for me, it's mm-hmm. creating a new relationship between me and and God and, and um, is a representation of my forgiveness, right, and my mm-hmm. salvation. I think if they can kind of formulate that without us pushing them or prodding them or whatever, that, um, you know, that that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. I know in, in many traditional churches, and I know we're not really a traditional church, but um, in many traditional churches, you know, you, you can't take communion. Right, right. You know, in a Catholic tradition or a Lutheran tradition or Episcopal, you can't even take communion, your first communion, until you um, have gone through all of your, your, you know, your, your training and your education and your catechism and all of those classes that you must take to help you understand mm-hmm. all of the basic theology of, of a believer. Yeah. Um, and so you're not really even allowed to, to take it or do it till then. So um, I think there's some importance to that and some reasons for that. And I think that they're good because we want our kids to not just not just say I'm a Christian, but not know how to explain it or mm-hmm. not live it out well. And right. so I think them being able to explain those things helps them to live them better. And so I, I think it's good if 
and and all of those things too. Like you know, I remember teaching our kids how to you know why why they should give a little bit of what they got in allowance to the Lord, you know, but, mm-hmm. but why, I mean, do we just do this because we don't know any better right. or are we it's doing putting it that? Why behind the exactly, exactly. For the kids, which is super important. Right. Giving them yeah. vision and values to yeah. everything. And, um, to kind of just add on to it, um, you're, you're also not saying like if they've done communion, that's a bad thing. Like if, you know, it's just like, yeah, hey, no, like, like just have the conversation yeah. and just be intentional with your kids mm-hmm. and, yeah, and I would say if you've already started that habit, yeah. then it's a great opportunity for you to have the conversation. Because right, right. probably the reason that you started doing it with them mm-hmm. is that probably at some point as we were sitting in in the auditorium, they said, hey, Dad, can I do that with you? Right. right. And you're like, and you just said, instead of having a theological discussion right then <laughs> while you're trying to pass the plate, right? right. You're like, uh, Hold on, Mark. Hold yeah, on, band. Yeah, Stop. that's right. Stop. <laughs> I need to teach my kid about what community yeah. really means. You probably just said, yeah, okay, yeah this is great. You should do this with me. But now it gives you a great opportunity to say, you know, Hey, um, let's talk about this a little bit deeper. Let's, mm-hmm. let's discuss. Remember when you took communion for the first time last year or whatever, mm-hmm. let's talk about what that means and what that yeah. meant to you and just hear their heart and hear what they were thinking and why they felt prompted to do mm-hmm. that and listen to their little heart and to their little thoughts and to their little words. And, and then, you know, have a great conversation with them of just right. about how important Jesus is. And so That's good. those are huge yeah. conversations and yeah. so valuable. Yeah. Well, I want to just finish up um, on our conversation, our time in here. And it's crazy to have this little timer going. We're just flying by. It's, wow. It seems like nothing, but we're already Sheesh. hitting like 25, 26 minutes right now. Wow. And stuff. Um, which is good. Yep. You know, I mean, that hopefully felt the same for people listening. <laughs> they're like, well, I want them to go more or whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah. I but hope that's what they're saying. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but one of the things that we say a lot um, at CFC when we're doing communion is like, you don't have to be a member here. We just ask that you have a relationship with Jesus. Correct. And so, mm-hmm. um, so what, what does that actually kind of mean? Like, what, what are we saying there? Are we saying that um, you can only be a Christian to do communion or we're, we're, we are encouraging you to do communion as a Christian or kind of maybe just unpack that mm-hmm. little thought there. Yeah. So I would say, uh, first of all, like it wouldn't be the absolute end of the world mm-hmm. if um, as an unbeliever you took communion. It, it It's a little bit along the same lines as a kid. Like, are you taking communion because you know what it means? Mm-hmm. Or are you just doing this because this was placed in front of you mm-hmm. and everybody else is doing it and so kind of you feel the pressure to just kind of do this, right? Um, I would say, um, you know, that it wouldn't be the end of the world. But uh, the reason we do ask that we want you to be a believer is because there are certain things that the church does mm-hmm. that in the context of Scripture are, are always written in the context for believers. So it, it's interesting, in, in the New Testament, we don't actually have a verse that says, um, you know, that unbelievers can do this. And we don't actually have a verse that says this is only for believers to do. But in the context that communion is always talked about, it's always written and in the context of, you know, we're, we're reading a letter that was written to believers who are going to read it in the church, and it's for them. And they're discussing mm-hmm. ideas about communion. And so we do have this understanding that this, this is for us. Um, and so... It's important for us to to take that as as its importance. Um, I think a verse, you know, we talked about this just a tiny bit in chapter ten, 
where Paul said in verse 16, is not the cup of thanksgiving for which we give thanks a participation in the blood of Christ? It's a rhetorical question saying, of course it is. You know, this is our participation as believers in the blood of Christ and in the forgiveness of Christ and in the salvation of Christ. Mm-hmm. And then he goes on, and it is not the bread that we break a participation in the body of Christ. Again, of course it is. This is a participation. This is what we do as believers. And then verse 17, because there is one loaf, we who are many are one body, for we all share the one loaf. So what Paul is really talking about here is this participation that's happening is is what's happening with believers. Um, And if you have not participated of the salvation of Jesus Christ because you've never said yes to him, and you've never confessed your sin to him and said, I, I want to live the rest of my life for Jesus, and I'm going to live in the power of the Holy Spirit the rest of my life. And you've not said, I believe the church is the most important thing in my life and the most important relationships that I have. This, this is I'm one with these people. Mm-hmm. If you haven't declared those things and you don't believe those things, then you're participating in something that you don't understand and are not really a part of. And... Um, and so we see communion that way. And that doesn't mean that somebody can't sit in our service and in that moment begin to process what it means to be saved mm-hmm. and say, I-, I might need to do this. Mm-hmm. Like this might need to be my moment of salvation. And so they take communion. Right. And that would be totally awesome. Right. Mm-hmm. And maybe even they're sitting in church for a couple months. And they're participating in communion. And every time they're participating, it's drawing them closer and closer to Christ. Mm. Like, I don't think that would be wholly inappropriate or uh, a really bad thing. But if, if, we're just, if you're just doing it for tradition, it's something you've always done, mm-hmm. something your family always done, does, and the one time you come to church a year, you just do it with everybody else, yeah. that, that's, that's not really a good reason to take communion. Right. And... Um, it does have very, very important significance to the life of a believer. And it is something that is done at church. It's done in the body of Christ. And so it's not something we do in bars or buying a car or, you know, it's <laughs> something we do within the confines of the body of Christ. And so it really does have a very, very special and reverent meaning. Yeah. And so I would say for the most part, uh, it is it is set apart for believers, mm-hmm. um, but not the end of the world if, yeah. if somebody's doing it that doesn't yeah. believe. Well, look, those, those are super good thoughts, and um, yeah, I think it's just nice to dialogue more because those are probably questions we have, and sometimes they just don't weave their, their self into a Sunday <laughs> message as easily. <laughs> Definitely not. Because there's always so much we want to cover, but you know, limited time to a certain extent and stuff. So yeah, it's, it's that intentionality behind it, which is super, super encouraging and good. Um, cool. Well, that's kind of our time for wow, for our first, yeah, for our first little episode and stuff. So, um, yeah. So again, like I kind of said in the intro thing, um, give us feedback. Um, yes. Give us feedback just on how this is going. If you like this, or if you're <laughs> like, it could be longer or shorter, but yeah. also um, other things. So I think primarily we're going to be talking on deeper from our Sunday messages. 
But I think it's also good to kind of throw in some cultural moment things. Yeah. Um, did you know that we're in like in a like in a season of election right now? Like there's an election. I've heard. Up. Yeah, there's something about like two candidates. Two for people. Yeah. Okay, two people. So, this time. so maybe, maybe right. we'll talk a little bit on that. Yeah, maybe we <laughs> <And> should. <laughs> maybe after. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, that actually that that'd be really good. Yeah. Like, good. what do we do in the aftermath of yeah. this or that? <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah. So that's that's our podcast, and yeah. um, again, thanks for listening and. Um, I know it's just, it's fun to just talk on this stuff. And I think it's going to be even life-giving for Mark and I yep. um, to talk more on these things. And so, yeah, if you want to ask questions, um, email us, stop us um, at yeah, church or definitely. whatever. Ask a question. Um, yeah, all those things. And so it'll, it'll be good stuff. But thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to the midweek, um, just our little CFC podcast. And we're looking forward to how this progresses. So Yeah. So how yeah. do we end this thing? Do we end it like we normally do? Oh, I think or, you know how you should okay. end it, Mark. All right. All right. Thanks for watching our first podcast, everyone. And always remember, Jesus loves you very much. So do Kate and I. And Cooper. (laughs) Have a great week. All right.